Hi! Welcome to my podcast, Traumatic Transformations, where we help you find hope, peace, and purpose after a big life change or a traumatic event. I'm your host, Gunjani Patel, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist, trauma specialist, and a neuroscience nerd. Join me as I dive deep into resiliency, post-traumatic growth, and normalize mental health to reduce the stigma associated with it. In each episode, I plan to deliver science-backed, actionable tips and strategies so you can take back the control over your life and be inspired to be the best version of yourself with each day forward. So tune in every Tuesday for a featured guest and every Thursday for a solo episode with me where we unpack mind, body, brain, and spirit connections related to each episode with the featured guest. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin today. The purpose of this podcast is to inform you, educate you, and raise your awareness. It is not intended to replace any medical advice or professional help seeking that you may need. So please use this information wisely and any opinion that I cast is not to replace any medical advice. And quickly before we start today, I just wanted to ask you a favor. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe so you never have to miss an episode. Thank you so much. And if you rate and review, it would really help us with the algorithm so people can easily search the show if they would like. So I would really love to hear your feedback and what you have to say uh, so I can bring you the content that's most fit for you. Thank you so much. Hello, welcome to another brand new episode of Traumatic Transformations. So today we have with us Elizabeth Liz, she goes by Liz Myers, is an author of Undefeated, From Tri- Trial to Triumph, How to Stop Fighting the Wrong Battles and Start Living Victoriously. In addition to supporting her fighter pilot husband and homeschooling the six of her eight children who have not yet left the nest. She's also a blogger and a motivational speaker, dishing out the resilient life hacks for overcoming adversity and living with purpose. The depression and anxiety she experienced following the death of her son is her in her second trimester made her passionate about helping others support their mental health, fortify their faith, and live life abundantly. Thank you so much, Liz, for being here with us today. And I can't wait to dive into your story. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is great. I've been looking forward to this. Right? Oh, and I'm, I, I must say to my listeners that I've been learning a lot from you. So thank you so much. You're a fellow <laughs> podcaster who yes. is now in the, you know, so I'll let you tell your story. So tell us about okay. you a little bit and um, who you uh-huh. are and, you know, the earlier parts of your story. So we'll go. Okay. Yeah. So we're a, a military family, you know, with a lot of kids. We do a lot of moves. We make a lot of messes and a lot of noise. <laughs> so there's always, there's always a party of some kind going on around uh, here. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But um, my, the tragedy part of my story was um, with our sixth, in my sixth pregnancy, mm. um, I unfortunately lost the baby in the second trimester. Right. And um, we don't, there was no, you know, medical explanation for what happened. And there was no warning. We were on mm. vacation and his, his body was born. Mm. Um, you know, he'd clearly already passed. Mm. Um, and then it wasn't until later after that, that, you know, I had some hemorrhaging and some other issues that happened. Mm. Um, but that 
moment was so traumatic for me in so many ways. And mm-hmm. it just plunged me kind of over the cliff. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I, I struggled with grief that I did not know how to express for mm-hmm. an, an unborn baby that died. Right. And then, you know, that he had died in such a traumatic way. I, I kind of had a little bit of PTSD lingering wow. after that, of you know, reliving that moment over and over in my brain, trying to process what it saw and what happened. And I just, I can't, because right. I was totally unprepared to handle the events of that day and the decisions that I had to make. Um, and then spiritually too, I just kind of went into a dark place. My, I'm a faith-based person, you know, a Christian and prior to that time it kind of been, Oh, you know, if I do all the right things, I'll take care of me and life will be rosy. And, and so I really just, because I had this transactional idea of my relationship with God, I really just, um, felt abandoned. Yeah. so I, I kind of summarize my story sometimes of it's how I rediscovered my faith when I lost my son, yeah. because um, coming through that, I really found a firmer foundation for my faith. Mm. Um, it took me a long time because I spent a lot of time hiding and pretending, you know, going, oh, I'm okay. Exactly. Um, Don't we all, yeah. what you just mentioned earlier, the grief part, you know, it's like until it happens to us, I don't think we prepare ourselves or we know about it or how to. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I had heard, you know, about women having miscarriages early on, or I had heard about like full term, mm-hmm. you know, a baby being stillborn then. But I, the thing that I experienced, I had never heard of before. Right. And then once I shared my story with a few people, there were other women going, oh, yeah, that happened to me. Yeah. Like, why don't we ever talk about this more and support one another? Um, so that's a, another thing that I would would like to see. But in that journey, you know, and eventually coming out of that, um, I just feel like I learned a lot of things and I just have a, a passion on my heart to share that with others and to say, hey, you're not alone and it's okay to not be okay. And I'm really wanting to do my part to remove the stigma attached with seeking help for mental health. Thank uh, because you so much. I, I think that's so important. You, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy. You know, I think I, I should have named my show, you know, things that we don't talk about enough because... Mm. You know, literally, there are so many things that I think we as a society or we as a culture, we just sort of react instead of prevent or talk Mm -hmm. about or be informed or be educated about, especially because it's, you know, mental health related. We're just like, oh, it won't happen to us. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the other people. And if it does happen to us, let's not talk about it because we nobody else will understand Mm -hmm. us. And that's the the irony of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, part of it's just my own human nature and pride and embarrassment and stuff. It's all of us. It's all of us. Like I've been through my stuff and I'm very private person, but Mm -hmm. I'm private because I'm like, my ego takes over and I'm like, I I know I I don't need help. I'm great. Everything is um, until Uh things start falling apart, which now I've learned to realize with enough times things falling apart and I not to react in crisis, but sort of prepare myself and Mm -hmm. not relive in that stress because there's an important fine line between, you know, it's like you you relive your stress twice if you keep thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And then if you actually go through it. So it's, I think we should be prepared for stress. So we're not blindsided by it, but I don't think we should be ignorant or completely not think about it because Mm -hmm. as if it's never going to happen to any Mm -hmm. of us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But uh, I also had kind of the added stigma of, you know, being a military family and, you know, there were certain expectations and certain hoops to jump through to get help. And then also just, you know, being a Christian part of the church, I had this false idea that, uh, you know, prayer alone is supposed to work. I mean, and and it could, I mean, God can totally just 
heal right. a, a situation or a person in an instant. I'm not taking anything away from that, but I'm just saying that that kept me from seeking other forms of help that are available. And that ultimately, and when I did sit, when I did seek counseling, I did seek uh, medication. I did, you know, continue to pray and all these things. Um, I, I got my body in a healthier place. Um, you know, all those things compounded and, and helped me pull out of that nosedive that I was in. Oh, and the, you you mentioned something really important here because it's like, so to me, everybody's healing journey looks their own. You know, it's not that just because you're a Christian, you cannot also be in mental health. Mm-hmm. And is it's not that just because you believe in God, God will take care of everything and let's not, you know, be open to science. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's what I'm getting from your story. So everybody's yeah. story looks ger- different for their, and, you know, their belief and their systems of doing and getting past some of these very deep, dark Im- mm-hmm. moments in our life looks different. So not what right. worked for you and I de- de- doesn't necessarily have to work for everybody else, you know? Right. Sort of um, yeah, exactly. I kind of take a more holistic approach. Of, I've kind of broken it down into five categories. And this is just how I deal with it in my mind of mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and then motivationally or your will, right? uh, you know, just the will to do these things. So those are kind of the five categories that I kind of break my teaching down into. And I, and I say the point over and over again, that you can't treat one in isolation, that we're an integrated whole person and each one feeds off of the other. And, um, they're, they're all interconnected. They all feed off of each other. And so, getting stronger, you know, as, as you're able on each of these five areas, um, just really increases your resilience and, and builds up your ability to overcome traumatic and challenging situations and to thrive afterwards and to be better, to be stronger and to help others. Yes. And that's, uh, and I couldn't agree with you more. And that's one of the reasons why, like, I'm so big on, you know, even in my practice, I am very big on the holistic approach of healing because I truly believe that mind, body, brain, spirit uh, are all connected. And like you said, Mm -hmm. the next part is, you know, once you have all of those under control, the next part is the resilience, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, overshadowing all of that, that you have to have the will to at some point get past Mm -hmm. that. Because I, I, I don't believe that, happiness is a, I mean, happiness is not a choice for some people based on their, you know, brain biochemical reactions and stuff going on in their minds and their bodies and their brains. Mm-hmm. But I do think suffering is a choice at some point, you know, is yeah, that yeah. you can do something if you're really suffering to get some kind of help. It doesn't have to be therapy as much as I would like the entire world to go seek help and get therapy. Yes. I know that it's not the I, right um, recipe for everybody. And, I kind of think it should be like going to the dentist. You just you. go get your mental health checkup and it's not a big deal. Just like if I go to the dentist, that doesn't make me a bad person. It's just like, Hey, I want to have the healthiest teeth possible. I want to have the healthiest patterns of thinking possible. There's nothing wrong with that. Thank you so much for mentioning that because I truly, truly, truly believe that. You know, it's just like, I think the the misconception behind therapy is that we, I, I and for myself, I, most of the time I, I see people only when they're in crisis. And I, I wish we, at, through these conversations and through this, we can create a community of people that truly believe that, you know, it's like you go to the doctor, you go to the dentist, you go to your cardiologist, you should go mm-hmm. to your mental health professional. It should just be, yep. and it doesn't mean that just because you get into therapy, we're going to keep you there. You know, mm-hmm. this, it, the, the misconception that yeah. people have is that once they get into therapy, either A, they're crazy, or B, they have to be crazy to be in therapy, the quote unquote word crazy, yeah. I do not like that word, but 
you know, I always say that my, my fair, I say, I'm not crazy. My therapist said so. And that's a true story. I love it. <laughs> she, she really did. <laughs> no, but it's true. And that's what I tell my people that it's yeah. not that you, you're not crazy. The word crazy doesn't exist. Even the people who we think are crazy are, they're not because they cannot control what is happening in their brains, mm -hmm. you know? And I just think we need to change our language. We need to change our labeling. We need to change our judgment around mm -hmm. the whole experience of mental health because we all go through it yeah. and it looks different for all of us, but we right. don't know the stories behind the person outside. They look great, amazing, but inside everything mm -hmm. is falling apart. Right. The, the language I kind of use to describe what you're, what you're saying is that we're all broken, but we break in different ways. Yes. Or, you know, we, we all have hurts. We all have secret pains that nobody else knows about, or some big ones that are obvious that everybody yes. does know about. And maybe right. that adds additional pressure, but it's, it's totally human and okay to say I'm struggling because we all are. Exactly. Like, <laughs> the fact no, that we think, and we all are in some ways suffering at some points. You never mm -hmm. see someone, oh, happy, 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 doing great, amazing all the time. It's not happening. It only looks like that on Facebook or instant mm -hmm. you know, social media, but it's not like that. At some point of our lives, we are placed with some kind of suffering for us to evolve. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think too, I've reframed how I see that, that suffering and those obstacles in my mind as a, a way to build strength within us. Just Absolutely. my, my example that I use is like, because you know, we're military family. I'm a former air force officer myself. So wow. an obstacle course, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's an obstacle course without the obstacles and why are they there? Right. They're there to build strength and agility yeah. and confidence that, Hey, I handled that obstacle. I can handle the next one. And it's part of the training process yes. you go through. And, you know, there's, there's things in life that train us for the next thing. Yes, I would not have anything that. worth saying to you today right now <laughs> if I hadn't been through all the stuff I'd been through. But and it's such a mindset shift. You know, I think mm -hmm. if you go through enough suffering and you have dealt with it when you're on the other side, this is the mm -hmm. language you speak. Because mm -hmm. I absolutely think suffering is a gift. When I was in it, like 10 years ago, oh, yeah. or when I was in my 20s, I was like, ah! why me? What is this happening? Why, why, why does this keep happening over and over again? But when I started asking myself the right questions, as in, what am I learning from this? Mm -hmm. And I shifted my mindset. And like you were saying earlier, it's like, if we don't have obstacles, we don't get stronger. And, mm -hmm. you know, everybody always told me, oh, whatever doesn't break you or kill you makes you stronger. In my 20s, I absolutely didn't believe it. And I literally mm -hmm. wanted to secretly spit on the person's face that said that. Yeah. To me. But <laughs> yeah. now looking back, I'm just like, wow, that 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 had such a depth to it. And right. I, I really like how you said it. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, in the, it's like an obstacle course for life. When we mm -hmm. do certain things, it makes us so much stronger and uh, sort of, um, you know, sort of really uh, brings out the, the beauty that we have within us that we don't mm -hmm. see at the time when we're going through certain things. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you on that at the time, you know, in that darkness, all I wanted to do was escape. You know, oh. I was, my prayer no, was just, please God, take it. All or, that pain right. and enjoy it. So you don't see the blessing or the gift in it until later. Yes. Um, so if you're in the middle of something now and you're like, this ain't a gift that that's cool too. That's yes. totally normal. Yes. <laughs> Cause there, I didn't see it. The healing process. Right. You know, exactly. You, you have most of the people that go through it, feel that if you don't feel that, then that's not either you're suppressing mm -hmm. it or you're not allowing yourself to go through that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I really think that 
the yes, it's okay to feel the pain. It's okay to acknowledge it. But at some point, starting to if if you are into healing and becoming a better you know version of yourself, important to address that. Okay, this is happening now. How can I just get past this? And what do I need to do? Who who do I need mm-hmm. to seek? And what kind of help can I get? Yeah. And ultimately, there's real, there's not a way to escape it or go around it. We have to go through it. Yes. And I really got stuck in that place of grief because I didn't know how to grieve you know, Absolutely. this child. People would tell me, oh, plant a tree, you know, in honor of your child. I'm like, <laughs> we're military family. I, I'm, you know, I'm when I went in a year. I went to the hospital, you know, after, right after he was born and they took his body and they wouldn't give it back to me. So I wasn't allowed to, to bury my son. You know, I had, so it was like all these things that we usually do to grieve for a person were kind of taken from me. Mm. So I really got stuck there. And, you know, you're talking about therapy isn't necessarily a forever after thing, but, but there can be cycles of healing. And so, you know, there was kind of the first layer and then I took a break and then I came back for another layer, you know, we'd moved. So it was a different (laughs) counselor by then, but, um, she did the EMDR, the eye movement. I'm an EMDR therapist, so we definitely have to talk about that. (laughs) Okay. But I, and I, you know, honestly, when she first told me about it, I'm like, okay, this is a little hokey and weird, but but there's actually really, <laughs> as you know, there's very solid science behind it. Yes. But it really helps. worth of evidence-based yes, yes. science now it's, at this point. It's a legit thing. It's yes. totally legit. But um, it really just helped me get unstuck where those emotions yes. could just flow through me and past me and they're okay. And it took this thing in me that was emotionally was a, like a gaping, oozing wound. And yes. now it's a scar. You know, it's yes. still there, yes, but yes. it doesn't hurt when people poke it. Yes. And so now I can talk about my son like I'm doing now, whereas before I went through that EMDR experience, I could not even mention his name without sobbing and falling apart, just Mm -hmm. being a puddle on the floor. And this was years after he had passed away. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. I couldn't have a whole episode on EMDR therapy. I think after Mm you, after, you know, this um, episode, I normally tend to do solo on Thursdays that after this episode, I'll definitely mention EMDR and what it is. Mm -hmm. But basically, one of the things that happens as a part of EMDR and trauma therapy is that it literally reprograms your subconscious mind. Because a lot of times we we keep all those emotions stored in our body as physical Mm -hmm. sensations and, you know, um, the body keeps scores. And, you know, it's like if you find yourself in a place where you are talking about certain things and it still has an emotional charge, that means you haven't completely healed. And that's okay. Um, It means different people. But there, I just want to take this moment and opportunity Mm -hmm. to educate people that there can be a place, like Liz is saying, that you can get to a place with EMDR or with hypnosis or some, you know, neuro-linguistic programming where you can reprogram uh, some of your subconscious uh, mind and the way we have, you know, made sense of the event or the way the memories of those events are stuck. So that, like you said, you don't forget that it happened. It never, you never forget that it happens. It's not like one of those hypnosis where you just forget some of the events, but um, it's, it's a, it's a treatment that sort of helps take all the emotional charge and reprogram yourself to who you are now and what you believe in today, mm-hmm. as opposed to being stuck in that moment of in your life where trauma, that- it was very helpful to me to understand that trauma is the, the memory of trauma is stored very differently in Absolutely. our brains and in our bodies than our regular emotions. And so to try to just talk it through, like we would regular memories and emotions doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. That like you said, it our our thoughts about it 
even our subconscious thoughts need to be reprogrammed, kind of just reprocessed in a different way. And, um, you know, I'm not really sure how the I thing helps that, but I, I can testify that as a skeptic, it, it totally works. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, um, so I'll definitely have to do an episode about that right after. Yeah. You know, on my, my yeah. podcast, I had my, my counselor who helped me with that. <laughs> I had her on my show. I'm like, okay, explain this to people. Cause yes, I, yes, yes. I have trouble it's, explaining it's it. It's really complicated. And that's why I've over the years become such a neuroscience nerd because I was just like, I need to know how and why, like when I explain it to layman, you know, it's a treatment modality that we use a uh, very specific evidence-based, very much studied for mm-hmm. it was invented by a psychologist actually um, in California uh, in the 1980s to actually help people initially um, with PTSD and you know combat trauma and then yeah. now it's used for anything and everything and I use it with a lot of my patients because you know I just feel like it's a very solution oriented quick results kind of a therapy or a treatment mm-hmm. method because you know people that come to me most of the time or I accept people where they've been through so many people but yet there's still stuff that they need to work through and mm-hmm. after and and I'm very like instant gratification kind of person I like to see my people graduate I like to right, see right. people do well and you know when they need tune-ups they come back and that's yeah. awesome. it's amazing to work with yeah. them but right. you know I, I don't want to be someone's therapist for like 10 years I that I consider that a rental friend and I'm not mm-hmm. that <laughs> so it definitely yeah. helps to know that, you know, um, it, it has a time and place. And I'll get into the details of that in the Thursday episode after we air Liz, but mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so yeah. tell me a little bit about in terms of so you were talking about um, your faith and um, mental health and, you know, medication. So mm-hmm. what was that like for you? How how did you what was your thinking before? And then at what point did you get to a place where you were just like, you know what? I'm open mm-hmm. to the uh, seeking help and God still loves me. Or what was that mm-hmm. like for you? Because I know. Yeah, had so that. I just kind of had this. It wasn't anything I necessarily consciously thought through, but I just kind of had this idea in my head that a, a Christian person who believes in God and Jesus shouldn't need a medicine to feel happy. I, yeah. I felt like my my assumption was a Christian should be joyful and peaceful, and I was depressed and anxious, and so I must be a bad Christian. I must be wrong. In fact, I was on a, another podcast podcast called the crappy Christian. I'm like, <laughs> that's me. I raised my hand, but, um, yeah. And so I just kind of had that subconscious thing. Well, eventually I, you know, I hit it for as long as I could, but eventually you reach the point where making the change is easier than staying the way you are. Uh, and so I kind of hit that wall. And in that time period, I, I, I'm an avid reader. So uh-huh. I read a couple of books and they were kind of biographies of, of certain women. Both of them were Christian women who I admire and respect, and they had been through some significant trauma, mm-hmm. losing a, a sibling, losing a child. And they kind of alluded to the fact in the book that, you know, they had a prescription of some kind. Right. And <laughs> that was just enough of a hint to give me the courage to go, okay, you know what, maybe I need something too. So now I've made a point in my books and in my writing and, and even in my talking to people, I'm like, I'm not going to hint. I just say <laughs> I'm a Christian and, and I still take an antidepressant and an anti-anxiety every day. Yeah. And I've, I've, got to a very healthy place and I got off of it and then I crashed again. Yes. And so, you know, I'm not sure what all is going on with my neurotransmitters, et cetera, but <laughs> I know that if I stay on this and I do these healthy things that I stay in a good place mentally and I like to be in that place. Thank um, you. 
Yeah. And so then after that, then I've heard a lot of Christian women say, you know, talk about it. So I, I think it is, we are overcoming that stigma. Um, I'm and so I think too, that. that we could also do a better job of supporting each other Absolutely. and coming together, even, um, you know, across differences that we have. I mean, at, at the basic level, we're all just humans. We all want the same things and hurt in the same ways. And we just need to come together and stop judging each other and just love each other. Thank you so much. Because I, you know, I truly, truly believe in that. I feel like we need to be able to hold space for things or opinions or people that don't have the same agreements as us, you know, okay, that you have your own belief, and you, you know, you have your own system of living or about things. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's okay that I do too. But at the end of the day, if we both can treat each other nicely, respectfully, and still hold our differences on, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, apart, then I really think that we would create a world that's so much better and more mm-hmm. um, welcoming of people and oh, people's definitely. differences, you know, yeah. because yes, you can have your values. Yes. You can, you know, be a certain way. And then there are certain people that have very different values than us, but that doesn't mean we have to be their best friends and we go out there and make cookies with them every day, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I don't really know where we got this idea that if we disagree with someone, we have to, you know, hate them and be enemies and whatever. Right. I, I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm like, you know, I don't even always agree with myself. Like right. <laughs> I, I argue back and forth in my own head. So I, let's just get along people. Right. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> um, so I really, really, really like that you mentioned that because it's so important that yes, you know what? Um, at the end of the day, we know who our people are. And if the people that are with, uh, then our people tend to be the people that are very judgmental and supportive of us, regardless of, you know, mm-hmm. what they believe in. So, mm-hmm. and then the others just, you know, are there and, you know, sort of just waving, let's call it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Really think I think the military especially is very helpful for that. Cause it's just, you know, people from all different backgrounds and places and different kinds of life. And we're all just put together you yeah. know, we live on base. It's like living yeah. in a fishbowl. But I mean, we just don't really think much of our differences. We focus on where we're like. And That's some awesome. of my very best friends in the military have had very different beliefs from me on very things that are very important to me, things that I yeah. value a lot. But yeah. we're great friends. You know, yes. if I if I had a crisis, they'd be the one that I call, you know. Wow. So I, I think the military attitude is very helpful with that and how we just, we move around and we depend on each other. And I wish yeah. the whole world was like Aww. that more. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I mean, at this point of my life, I've, I've, you know, I've been sure to surround myself with people who are very like that because we are mm-hmm. all very different, but yet, um, you know, we can count on each other and have each other's back regardless right. of whatever. Mm-hmm. So and one of the things that I really liked earlier that you mentioned was the whole medication thing. So I really want to sort of take take a moment and sort of unpack that for a second, mm-hmm. because I really think that people tend to have this misconception about medication, especially when it comes to psych med and there is stigma associated with it. And since you brought it up, I think it's more mm-hmm. important than ever to address this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not a psychiatrist. So I'm not going to talk about medication, but I will definitely talk about my opinion on that since I've, you know, I collaborate with psychiatrists and I'm planning to have psychiatrists on the show talk about the importance of medication. Um, But since just for the sake of this interview, and since you are here mentioning it, I think it's really important to say that just like blood pressure medications help your blood pressure, just like your diabetic medications help with your diabetes, just like your asthma medications help with your asthma. 
unfortunately, because it's mental health, people have this misconception that I don't want to take medication and be on medication forever. Sometimes certain things happen that are so distressing to us that no matter what we do, and so for some people, this is not for everybody, and I'm not either, you know, I'm not vouching for or against medication. I'm just trying to give facts so that people can make the best decision for them, but also make an informed decision, not just, oh, it's a psych medication, so let right. me not be on a medication for the rest. You take supplements every day. You take D3 every day. Why is that okay? And why is it an SSRI not okay? Mm-hmm. You know, if your body or if there is a chemical, biochemical imbalance in your body that is happening, sometimes medications help. So if Mm -hmm. you have exhausted all of the routes and if they are not helping, maybe that's a route for you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to consider that, you know, you talk to your psychiatrist because a lot of times people go to the primary, they'll get their medication. But I am very big on primaries have a secondary specialization that makes them a psychiatrist. So they go through experiences and people and, you know, um, residencies and specialized specialized training that trains them for doing this day in and day out. So I really encourage people to find a psychiatrist at some point to be monitored by and get that education from right sources instead of just making a decision that it's psych med, I don't need it, there's nothing wrong with it, or I'm weak for it if I want Mm -hmm. it. And so with depression, anxiety, and PTSD, one of the things to also consider is sometimes you might not need to be on it forever. And sometimes even Mm -hmm. if you do, it will... it'll take the edge off. It'll help you function. It will not, you know, send you back down and be in that place of darkness. Would you, do you prefer darkness or do you prefer being on medication and being healthy, you know, Mm -hmm. and being the best self that you can be in along with Mm -hmm. the medication. So there is all these different scenarios and they're important to keep that in mind. Yeah. So for my experience, it's like, you know, I've heard the saying a pill won't fix everything. And that's true, but Mm -hmm. it gave me enough of a boost where I was able to do the other things that I needed to do to help and to, to help to, I'm sorry, to heal and to be healthy and help myself come out of that place. And I, it it, it would be similar to if you went to somebody in the ICU and said, Oh, you know what? You'd feel better if you'd get up and walk outside. Well, they can't. And and before I was on the medication, I I couldn't do those things that I needed to do to get healthy. And I had been on it maybe about a week. So it was after my eighth child, my youngest was born is when I got on the antidepressant. My, it was my OB doctor actually helped me find one that was okay. That was safe for nursing. Mm -hmm. And, um, He's almost nine now. He's a genius. He's great. He wasn't, he's happy. So I guess it worked. (laughs) But, um, but I, I've been on it about a week or so. And then I was, uh, playing with my toddler. She was sitting in her high chair and we were kind of, you know, playing some little toddler game. Yeah. And I just suddenly had this realization come over me of, I'm not faking it. Like I actually feel like being playful. And that was the moment that I realized how bad I had been faking it. That, you know, I, I would play with my child just because I'm like, oh, that's what a good mother's supposed to do. But I, I didn't feel it. I wasn't enjoying it. Yeah. And, you know, she was, I don't know, a year and a half at that time. And that's when I realized what I had missed out on by not getting help sooner. Ah. That, you know, for her whole life, I yeah. had been faking playing, you no, know. But you didn't know and you had your own beliefs. Yeah. 
motherhood is all about growing and resolving your childhood traumas, yeah. and, you know, resolving oh, your stuff. Right. But my encouragement to other people is don't wait so long to get help, you. you know, so just I couldn't do- mention that stress that enough because, yeah. and one of the things that I also see in my experience, and thank you for mentioning that, that pill won't fix it all because, you know, and that's why we have this beautiful collaboration between psychologists and mental health therapists and a psychiatrist, because they're all different. Psychiatrists mm-hmm. prescribes medication. They're MDs, they're doctors. Psychologists are doctors, doctors in either, you know, doctor of psychology mm-hmm. or their PhDs. Um, and then mental health licensed mental health therapists are MA and they, um, they also do similar things as psychiatrists. They are just uh, psychologists or, um, you know, doctorate. So, um, but they, we just don't prescribe medication. So psychologists right. and licensed mental health therapists, at least in America and in India, I think things are different or in other countries, it, it depends, but most of the time we don't. And one of the things that we do is that we definitely, it's like, Sometimes mental health therapy alone doesn't fix things. And because no matter how much we keep doing things in therapy, if you continue to have those neuro, you know, neurotransmitters that are not firing or not doing what they're supposed to do or those biochemical imbalances, no matter what you do, it will just not be enough. And then cycle, uh, you know, the meds alone, sometimes they're like band-aids. You have to it doesn't fix everything if you don't, you know, reprogram things in mm-hmm. that, that the way you do in therapy. You yeah. have to relearn things. You have to train right. yourself. You have to make behavioral changes. You have to, you know, get stuff out of your system. You, there has to be all these different things that happen in therapy that meds alone can't fix. It's not that you take a med and then all of a sudden you'll be cured. You know, if I you agree. don't change the way you're thinking, you're resolving some of your trauma, you're, you know, on, on like if you're feeling stuck, if you're not learning ways or exploring ways to be not stuck and processing some of the things, it's really important that therapy and meds are done together and, Mm -hmm. you know, done well, because otherwise, like you said, you just can't function no matter how much you try or how much you do, or you just can't be present. And what kind of life is that? Yeah, I had to do a lot of work myself. And I had to prioritize myself. I had, I mean, you can imagine homeschool mom, eight kids. I didn't have any (laughs) self-care <laughs> I didn't even go to the bathroom by myself, you know. Yes. So just saying, you know what? I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how you do eight, Liz. Right. Mom, <laughs> mom needs to take care of herself. Like or eight? What? Yeah. Is right yeah. We, we used to go th- when the kids were little, we would do errands and then we would go through like McDonald's or Burger King or somewhere. And in the drive through, I would say, we need eight plain cheeseburgers. And they would go, a plain cheeseburger. I'm like, no, no. Eight, as in five, six, seven, eight, eight plain cheeseburgers. And I, they're like, "What? You know, do you have a, a baseball team?" I'm like, "No, it's just just eight, eight, to eight. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, I I had to do a lot That's of work. Self care, self care is absolutely important, right? I had to do a lot of work, but the medication enabled me to do the work that I needed to do. That was my personal experience. I mean, I'm not you know a medical person or a psychological person, but that was my experiential interpretation of it was it enabled me to do the work I needed to do. Whereas when I was not on the medication, I couldn't even do the stuff. I I just couldn't, it was not possible for me. And I physically, you, you just can't, you don't have the mm -hmm. mental energy to just do anything. Mm -hmm. It's that, you know, uh, the, the, 
systems in your brain are so off that you just mm-hmm. can't do anything and it's not your fault and you cannot there's nothing you can do to control it there is mm-hmm. and a lot of times you know a, a lot of my people who are resistant towards meds it's like their misconception or the misinformation is that if i think myself enough out of it or if i wait it out enough then it'll just work and in the meantime you suffer so much and there's so much you cause so much more damage over time than if, if mm-hmm. you decided not to wait yeah the the way that I viewed it, you know, when I got to that point where I'm like, I have got to do something different. I can't live like this. Yes. And I, I struggled trying to figure out, well, what's the root cause? You know, yes. am I tired because I'm depressed or right. am I feeling depressed and discouraged because I'm so fatigued because of a physical thing or is all this stuff happening to me because God's mad at me or, you yeah. know, what? I went through all these things and, and I, I don't remember, you know, exactly the moment when I said I got to change, but I do remember the conversation I had with my husband about it. And I said, I don't know what's the chicken and what's the egg, but I'm, I'm going to attack it on all four fronts, spiritually, wow. mentally, physically, and emotionally. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And I just, you know, I took whatever first little baby step I could think of mm. in each of those four categories. It was later that I added on the will and the motivation. So at the time it was just the four things. Yeah. I, I just take a little baby step, just improve one little thing. Yeah. Um, you know, even just with the self care, I hadn't, um, really done much to get in shape in between having yeah, <laughs> all yeah, these yeah. babies. I was like, why bother? Yeah. But I discovered what a great, you know, better than any med- medication is exercise yes. to help with your mental health. And, you know, just the idea of having a fit body was never enough to make me want to go to the gym or do whatever. But I kind of got addicted to running and other things accidentally because of what, how it helped my brain and how it helped my mental health and just made me feel good in all sorts of ways. And that carried over into other projects I did in my life, like writing the book, you know, the mindset that I needed to run the marathon was the same mindset I needed to finish the book. I did them both in the same year, my first marathon, my first book. But it's really, it's the same mental game to do both of those. Absolutely. And that's what, then, you know, and that's why to me having the show was so important because it's like, I, I, the, one of the questions that I hear is that why am I feeling so stuck and what do I do? Why do I keep having the same tests over and over? Why does this keep happening to me? What can I do to get a better me? And I think the, the bigger overall outlook should be, the umbrella should be, you know, balancing all those different categories that you were mentioning, mm-hmm. your mind, your body, your, you know, brain, your, mm-hmm. your spirit, and mm-hmm. your um, will and the strength to do it based mm-hmm. on your hardships and, you know, switching your mind mindset, like you said. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that you said was really important um, that caught my attention was, um, because I'm, I, I'm a half marathon runner and someday mm-hmm. I aspire to run a marathon and I'm like, oh my God, and it's so mental. It's like when I get to the mm-hmm. la- mile 11 and till t- 13, I'm just like, I, oh my God, <laughs> like it literally, my mind drove me to the finish line. But, but yeah. most of the athletes, most of the Olympic trained athletes, that's what they do. It's the messages that you put in your brain mm-hmm. and you know the thoughts that you speak to yourself. If you say you can do it, and you know one of the things that you mentioned about ex- exercise, just my new little neuroscience new um, uh, neuroscience um, tidbit on that two cents on it. You know, exercise actually, and when you talk about exercise, it's like you know, depressed person trying to exercise. It's like the last thing you want to do. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, you don't even have energy to think. <laughs> what do you mean exercise? Right. And, you know, I think the word exercise has such a bad rep because exercise can't even mean 
going out in the nature, connecting mm-hmm. with the the abundance of nature and just healing from the earth and going for a walk, just going outside your house, even if it's like two blocks or one block to begin mm-hmm. with. You know, exercise is known to, there's a whole concept called neurogenesis, which is building new neurons, which mm-hmm. exercise. So when, when, for every thought we have, we have a neural network, neural connection in the brain, mm-hmm. you know, so for, so the color white has a neural connection, the color black has a neural connection. If we think about something, you know, like I, I enjoy doing something that has a neural connection, or I hate something that has a neural connection. The more we focus our thought on something in our brain, those connections get stronger and deeper. So we have 86 billion neurons in our body and they're each connected to tens and thousands of other neurons. So the more we think about certain things, we build it. Sometimes uh, certain things happen in our life that are, like you said, you know, get us in the rabbit hole and think gets us in the negative pattern of thinking. And we think a certain way and we build, we, we strengthen those neural connections. So we'll be thinking, we want to go to a grocery store and, you know, we'll start thinking about, I suck at life and I'm going to die on my way there or something, you know, like based on how we keep thinking. So it's so important that we, you know, certain times we, so to get out of this process of depression or anxiety or some of these bad times of of our life, there's a reason why we recommend exercise so much because it's like you connect with the nature, your body, you know, starts to build all these new neurons and you go through, you know, new neurons that could think other ways because then you can, you know, pay, think other thoughts and then, you know, start to build those neural connections and strengthen those neural connections. And like you said about the mindset, it's like, if you think that you're going to do it, even Olympic athletes never think, oh no, you know, like you think Michael Phelps thing, no, I might finish in one second. No, yeah. that's not how they think. Right. And it's really based on your mindset. If you think mm-hmm. you can do something and if you focus your attention on it enough, and if you're so determined, like you said, your resilience and will, you will make it happen. There is mm-hmm. no ifs, sets, and buts, you know? Right. So yeah. it's really focusing on your, it's all in your mindset, in your mentality, in your, you can change your mind and train your mind over time to be very, you know, positive or optimistic or mm-hmm. resilience oriented. Right. And I, again, I'm not a physical trainer any more than I'm a psychologist, but my theory is, I'll, yes. I'll let you know, my little <laughs> tidbit is- yes. Anybody who's physically able to run a half marathon, I think can run a full marathon. Oh, I, think I, that, I absolutely think I can. If I After that point, enough, it's just mental. Yes, yes, it's yes. Just mental. Yes. But yes. for me, running hits all five of those categories that I yes. talked about. Because yes. I'm outside, you know, like you said, connecting with nature, but just physically getting vitamin D yes. is good. You know, sweating. I'm running off those stress chemicals in my yeah, body, yes, I get moving. the fight or flight thing charged up and, and I really need to flight. I need to run to burn right. those off. Yes. And, um, you know, I have my, my jamming playlist of it's contemporary Christian music is what I like to listen sure, to. Sure. That's what puts a pep in my step. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those, uh, the songs that I listen to are either kind of prayers or yeah, worship, yeah, you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm spending time with God and they're also inspirational. Like yes, yes. I get done with my run. I'm like, Yes, yes, I can do this. I can. <laughs> so, you know, it just, it helps my heart and my mind and my body and all those things together. And the whole idea that I got addicted to running is just hysterical because, yeah, I mentioned I was in basic training, you know, yeah. in the military. I, like, I fell out of every run. Like, I, I was not a runner. <laughs> then when I got out of the military, I'm like, I will never run again because it was used as punishment. And oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go run yeah. blocks. So I'm like, <laughs> I am not running. But the 5K is the gateway drug. My yes. 
Boyd and a friend talked me into doing a 5k with her. And That's then, you know, a few then- years later, my daughter was in girls on the run, which is a great program, but she needed a buddy to run the 5k with her. I'm like, well, Aww. I'll do it. Yes. And then I like, well, I did the 5k. I'll do the 10k. Anyway, yeah. it went That's on and on. Funny. And then I, I did the, the half marathon and then I'm like, okay, the next thing's a full. <laughs> That's right. Okay. I got stuck there because then life fell apart a little. So this year, maybe yeah. I should just thank you for inspiring me. I should just go out there and do it. Yes. I used to to be able to run like seven, 10 miles just for Mm -hmm. training. And it was Mm -hmm. so, such an amazing, just, it's so hard to express how Mm -hmm. amazing of an experience that was. Oh, I need to get back into it. New York allowed me to do it. Uh, California is just too hot. Yeah. "Ah, But well, and uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be running, you know, for somebody else, it could be painting or singing or poetry or writing or gardening or whatever the thing is, you, you know, yeah, it can be different for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, I feel like I could keep talking to you forever. So tell us a little bit about your, as we are approaching then, tell us a little bit about your book and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, what are some of the things that you do now and Mm -hmm. how can people find you and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So it was actually um, at one point, one of the the counselors that I was speaking with, I had a lot of ups and downs where I would be really depressed and couldn't imagine anything hopeful. And then I'd be okay. Not, I was never like really high, but I was just okay. And I'm like, what was I so upset about? So she said, well, when you're, when you're in your okay time, right. write, write letters to yourself, to, mm. to your depressed self. Mm. So I started journaling and, it, you know, it was through like the quiet time that I had in the morning with prayer and with my Bible and I take notes and I was about three quarters of the way through the first notebook. And I'm like, I think this might be a book. Like, wow. <laughs> and so that was when the first seed was planted in my heart of, you know, I really, I've learned some important things and I want to share them with other people. Uh-huh. So I started writing a book. And I had no idea what I was doing and it was way too long. And so yeah. I chopped it up into three. I don't wow. know if a nonfiction trilogy is a thing, but I made it one. <laughs> so so the first book for anything, right? <laughs> yeah. The first book is out. So it's undefeated from trial to triumph, how to stop fighting the wrong battles and start living victorious victoriously. And it's kind of just lays the ground view for it. It's a faith-based book. Yep. And just sometimes we feel defeated because we don't realize the nature of the battle that we're in, that we're not battling so much against uh, people or circumstances, but it's, it's more the, the forces of dark and light, good and evil. And that's where our battle is. So right now I'm got, I'm working on the second book. It's a big stack here next to me. Oh, wow. I love it. This is the one that this is the meat of it. So Mm -hmm. this is where I go into, you know, there's a chapter on each one of those, the mind, will, body, you know, all of those. And I have a chapter on depression and a chapter on anxiety. And it's just, it's all, this is the nuts and bolts, practical steps of what I do Mm. to keep myself healthy and in a good place. And like you said, there, it's not a one size fits all. And I, you know, I'm, clearly have disclaimers throughout the book of, I am not an expert. I'm, I'm just somebody else on the journey who's a little further climbing up the cliff maybe than yes. you are. And I'm going to turn back around and say, Hey, what, watch your step there. Or this path is a little bit easier to come up than that path. Yes. Um, and you know, to just, it's kind of where people can pick and choose what, what is helpful to them and maybe, you know, come up with some of their own too. But um, this, this is just like, everything that I've learned about this and all the, a lot of people ask me, they're like, how do you do so many things? You know, you have all these kids and you're homeschooling. (laughs) So if you want to know how that all happens, it's all in this book. So it's going to come out at the beginning of 2021. 
Yes. So that's when we're going to air the show. So that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why, you know, I wanted to mm-hmm. make sure that um, I spoke with you yeah, and yeah. then, you know, hopefully my audience and I, and mm-hmm. I couldn't re- and could resonate with this in more enough, you know, the, yeah. Um, I definitely, the show is exactly about that, doing the self-work because it's not just about, yes, seeking help and, you know, being in therapy and doing all the work is important, but the work that you do, the self-work that you do outside Mm -hmm. of therapy and outside of those moments and times in your life are just as important and Mm -hmm. people can pick and choose what they want and what their healing looks like and what Mm -hmm. their best self looks like. But at least if you're feeling stuck and you want to know, then you have all these, you know, plethora access to all these people that can, you know, that you can learn from and be inspired by. So at least there is hope that, you know, if people can go through some of the things that are so tragic and very difficult in life, guess what? There is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so the name of the second book, I forgot to mention it, is Undaunted. Yay! (laughs) It's Your Battle Plan for Victorious Living. Uh, How to Win at Life by Building a Stronger Spirit, Soul, and Body. So love them. Love it. Can't wait to. But then there's a there's a third one, but I haven't started that one. <laughs> yeah. well, one book at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you also have your podcast. So, um, yes. Let us know. What it's your Resilient Life Hacks. Um, it's fairly new. I just started it recently. Yeah. And, um, but it's, I invite guests on to talk about the trials that they've overcome and, you know, the things that they've gone through. And so the first half is kind of them sharing their story. And the second half is them sharing their wisdom of this is what I learned through my trial. And maybe this can help you in your trial too. Absolutely. So, so yeah, it's all about just bringing people together to help each other over the hard times. Absolutely. Um, and likewise, thank you. So that's exactly why I wanted you to be on this show because I, I truly believe in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much, Liz. Um, yes. So can you tell us how people can find you? What's the best yeah. way to get a hold of you? My website is elizabethmyers.me, M-E. Okay. And then on most social platforms, I'm at the Liz Myers. Perfect. So I will find you. I will follow you. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's stay in touch for sure. Yeah, and definitely. Uh, I will have all your information in the show notes so people mm-hmm. can get a hold of you. Thank Great. you so much for. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And thank you so chatting. much for tuning in today, guys. Um, and I hope that you got all this wealth of information from Liz. If you need to get a hold of her, please do so. And if you have any questions, as usual, please send me an email at gpatel um, at gpatelcounseling.com. I love hearing your feedback on the shows and um, what your thoughts were. So please get a hold of me, rate and review our show so we can continue to help people like you. Um, And I'll see you next time. Bye. Have a good day. A lot of times because it's like at six or seven or eight or 10, 20, we didn't know any better. We don't. That's why we evolve. That's why we grow. That's why we become our better version of ourselves. And, you know, what I am going to be uh, 20 years from now is not who I am today. So I have to forgive myself for not knowing. Same thing. I have to forgive myself for not knowing what I didn't know 20 years ago, but it taught me and who I am today. But yeah, and that's um, when the in, like my anxiety or anger part mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and they um, all have names mm-hmm. um, no name was my anger part he had no name yeah so when they heal when mm-hmm. they release the shame guilt they are carrying somehow there's no need for forgiveness it's an awareness mm-hmm. it just is like it it's almost as if the event never happened. Hmm. 
when they're like when you have a scar, I mean, mm -hmm. a cut and it's bleeds and then, oh my, no, no, no. And what happens when it's totally healed? Mm -hmm. okay. You ever look at it and go, it doesn't even matter because you can't even see it anymore. Right, That's right. How healing can happen to right. that degree that as if it's never happened, which is really an awesome state to have. Right. Um, so anyway, it's just something to work towards. Absolutely. And I, yeah. that's what, that's one thing I feel yeah, very strongly about that yeah. when you have gotten to a place of that complete transformation or sort of recovering or healing, whatever you are in that process or that stage is that when you have no emotional charge and it's, it's not that, that you forget about happened. it, but you, it, it, it's not a daily part of your etching every day, same thing, same loop, negative yeah. rabbit hole. It's just, it's, you're liberated, you're free, you're on the other side, it doesn't affect you anymore. It was just a part of your life that that existed that made you into who you are today. And, and you said it very well, because you said etching, and it's really like the shame, guilt, energy cutting into your Oh, absolutely, it is. Actually cutting and cutting, and it hurts. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's why people don't even want to find it because it hurts too much but oh, we can absolutely. go around that by talking to the little kids yeah yep. anyway you you got it, yeah. you got it. <laughs> thank you i appreciate your blessing <laughs> um lois so tell us how can people find you because you have so much to offer you have so much stuff tell me a little bit about your book and all your you know if you're on social media or your email or your website and all of that stuff how can my audience find you i'll put all that in my show notes i have all that information but just so that they can yes, hear. the best way is to go to my website http T-P-S, LoisHollis.com, L-O-I-S-H-O-L-L-I-S.com. Okay. Now, on there, mm -hmm. we have the um, way to get my free ebook, mm. and new, which is the newsletter. You mm. can enter either one of them. Mm -hmm. awesome. Also, I give 15-minute free talking. Oh, awesome. So a lot of times people want to have a session with me, but before they... Commit yeah. to that. They want to talk to me and see if we have something in You're common. The right fit. Yep, 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 yep. Perfect. Okay. Most of my clients are clients that have done therapy for years and years and years, and they're going, "I'm tired. I'm tired of coping. I want it fixed. I want to get rid of it." Yep. So yep. 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 Okay. I'm like the I'm last one. Like, okay, I did everything else. What can I do now? Yeah. So, yep. And then, and then I'm big on that because I as much as I want everybody to be in therapy and have therapy. I, I believe that not everybody has access to it. Not it's not for everybody. So different things work for, for different, different people. people. And, and that's one of the reasons yeah. I have people from all walks of life who are an expert at their fields. We have figured it out and now are paying it forward. And, you know, I, I just want people to find that healing, to get that help, to have that hope and to have a purpose. Because, because when you find your purpose, purpose. it's huge. It, it, huge. You're passionate about you wake up to it every morning. But and, you know, it's fixable. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So and from our stories, yes. don't know that, they, yep. that we have to say, you know, it's fixable. And absolutely. that's what hurts sometimes because we know it's fixable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, go. Best thing is to do that. And I am on Facebook and LinkedIn. Hey. Okay. And um, I'm fixing my YouTube channel. And I have a lot of my podcasts now on my website. Oh, yay. Awesome. And that's good because each podcast comes from a, a different angle angle of shame. Yeah, because as you know, it's a very big topic. Exactly. That's why I'm like, in 45 minutes, I don't know how much I can cover, but 
this I'll is where back. I'm going to go with. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I'll come back. Lois, uh, we'll have to read your book. I'm definitely going to buy your book. And I will definitely be looking forward to your movie. So thank you so much. I will let you know. I'll keep you yes, posted. Yes, yes, please. Um, I'm actually going to air your episode sometime around that. So that would be perfect. So let me know. I'll have it in the show notes. But really, for today, I am so excited that you are here to teach us all these amazing things and for who you are and just the, the amazing and awesomeness that you bring. Well, thank you for receiving. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You you did change me. What what, what you did there <laughs> when I first met you absolutely worked. So, yes, thank you. I, I am always looking to grow, to get better and to, you know, uh, share that with people. And I'm excited that you are here today. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Yep. Blessings. Yeah. No problem. And uh, absolutely for you guys. Um, thank you so much for tuning in today. And if you like what you heard, please, please, please subscribe so you can continue to hear amazing, amazing wisdom from people like Lois and um, other people that I plan to have on the show. And definitely, definitely, please rate and review us so it can help other people who are looking for this kind of help and to be hopeful and to find their purpose and find peace. Um, find us better on the Google algorithms. We always love getting feedback so we can continue to improve our show and bring in guests that might be relevant to what you're going through in life. But um, really, really, Wishing you a very blessed week, a blessed day, and thank you for so much for tuning in today and for your time. Until next time, um, we'll see you later. Bye.